Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 58 of the MMA Outsiders. That's Sam Bando. I'm Tom Albano, as always. And Sam, UFC 294, it was, um, how do I say it? It was a card. It, it, it was a UFC event. It, it, it happened. Yeah, it happened, but it happened in such a way where I don't think we, I don't think looking back on it, uh, we'd say we were expecting 70 to 75% of it. Um, I think a lot of people left that event either on TV or in person scratching their heads. Um, and it's pretty wild considering that the day that this is airing is October 24th. And there's a very special meaning in the MMA calendar to this date. Because on this day in 2009, we had one of the most controversial decisions in the White Heavyweight Championship history with Ryota Machida versus Shogun Hua. Shogun Hua, yeah. And... UFC 104 left left a very somber taste in everyone's mouth, and now almost like 15 or 16 years later, we kind of get a similar vibe with UFC 294, although UFC 294 is on a much bigger scale. Before we get into all of that and more, make sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network all across social media at MMA ETV. Then, of course, you can follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network at ETV Network, and be sure to take the MMA Outsiders on the road with you wherever you get your podcast, And then, of course, for those of you watching the video feed of this, be sure to subscribe to the Empty the Bench Podcast Network for our show and so much more. My name is Sam Bando. I'm a staff writer for BJPen.com, and an MMA knockout is part of the Fan Nation umbrella. To my left is Tom Albano. You can find his work over at Fanside and MMA. You can follow him at Thomas J. Albano. You can follow me at ZanBando99 uh, or all Hey, content and more, and of course, even though I don't know how much longer it is going to last, I am a part of the, the Bellator Rankings panel along with 20-plus other media members. So that's what we have going on on our side of things in terms of MMA work. But you almost back- forgot, Dan, you almost forgot. And then I do work for the PFL for the, like their championship cards coming up and stuff. So uh, we're coming after you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's true. As I said, I think a month ago we might we might end up being coworkers at some at some point again. Being <laughs> rival uh, competitors to, to two different promotions that are butting heads, if well, which we still don't know what's going on with that whole thing. Yeah, so let's uh, let's do a little rundown, a Nick Morgison esque rundown of everything we're going to talk about here before we get into everything. We'll start with our recap of UFC 294 and just. You know, as you kind of put it, Zan, the bizarreness of that card. Zan, neither one of us were doctors, but I think we could have done probably a better job than the physician that was there in uh, in Abu Dhabi. Zan, I don't know. Are, are we? Is our show in the desert? Um, no, Tom. <laughs> Officially, our show is taking place in two different parts of the United States of America. You are you are in the suburbs of new york if you will and i am in the suburbs of chicago so no okay the desert. That, 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 good enough good enough so johnny walker should have been able to keep going and yeah, <laughs> you, you know sand the doctor for for that card 
It reminds me, have you ever seen the news story of the teenager who managed to get away with for a, lo- for a while of posing as a doctor and diagnosing patients? Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that's what that's like who I think the doctor was at the um at the 294 card. We'll get into that though. We'll get into more of the doctor uh funny business. We'll also talk about some business business. So last week we talked about how Showtime boxing was coming to an end, and of course the fate of Bellator still be uncertain. Well, Zan, it's not just boxing, it's not about it's Showtime Sports, everything. Boxing, MMA, inside the NFL, all gone. Everything is done at the end of the year. It's pretty wild. Well, I can't say uh, I'm incredibly sad just because I didn't grow up in the heyday of Showtime Sports, so I don't know what that's fully like, but I can say that Showtime has had a major impact on my MMA life uh, because that's how I got introduced to what Strike Force was because that's where all of the events were. And then, of course... That's how I started to get more interested in Bellator after they moved off of MTV over a decade ago. So definitely um, Showtime has been has been um, an element in those two things. And then, of course, me being kind of a late bloomer boxing fan, all of the major boxing matches the last several years have been on Showtime. So to not uh, see their sports category um, any more uh, past this year is incredibly disappointing and Truly, and I think I've alluded to this uh, several times on the show, I do really, really wish the employees that work there, whether it's full-time or independent contractors, the best of luck because as much as people like to crap on the production, being what it is sometimes, it really is one of the cleanest broadcasts from a combat sports perspective that you can get. So overall, it's a very, very, you know, interesting time, but I think it's the world we live in now. I think everything is, you know, going digital and going streaming and, you know, you're seeing DAZN and ESPN be the big, biggest players in combat sports and they want the rights to everything now. So I think that's where it's going. And I think someone said it best. It might've been someone on a bad left hook or another boxing outlet. They ended one of their columns very well and who the writer was humbling and who it is but they said it best like it's simply an end of an era in showtime you know closing its doors on the sports category is that specifically for combat sports well said so other stories we're going to talk about bellator finally cutting dylan dennis maybe a little too late uh jake paul we got some news about him paul logan paul versus dylan dennis speaking of their fight uh, obviously, we talked about the Happy Punch report last week. Uh, Dave Meltzer now, uh, of course, formerly, uh, or is he still at MMA fighting? I'm not even sure. I don't, uh, think, I don't think he is. I think he's Mr. Independent now. I think he just does Wrestling Observer. The Wrestling Observer it. newsletter. Yeah, um, but he is disputing now that report officially. And then, Zan, we had one event in the desert last week. We've got another coming up. We're moving from Abu Dhabi to Saudi Arabia. We got Tyson, Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou's uh, big little showdown to talk about at the end of the episode. Uh, but right now, let us talk about UFC 294. Zan, the biggest highlight of which came in the main event, which, by the way, the total amount of fight time in the cage for the pay-per-view main card lasted less than 25 minutes, less than a full five-round championship fight. 
Yeah, that's pretty wild considering how long the UFC has been around that you just get those rare uh, footnotes in MMA history. And that, that number of 25 is definitely a footnote that now that you mentioned it, it's probably going to be ingrained in my head whenever you ask me years from now about UFC 294. I think that's the only number that's going to pop into my head because that's just mind-boggling. And it all capped off with Islam Makashev. Zan, I'm sorry, but I mean... Islam Makashev, we knew was good. And and we knew about the na- late notice status of this fight. But a head kick knockout within a span of about three minutes. Who thought that that's how it was going to end? Because I didn't. I don't think anyone in the world did. Even, and even, the, even the newest of MMA fans probably didn't think that Islam Makashev could do that to Volkanovski. I... I literally did not know until after the fight that that was the first time in 10 years that Volk had been knocked out. Uh, yeah, but first first time he's been finished in the UFC. Second, Only the second time in his career he's been knocked out. You'd have to go back to his regional days, which then it also ended with a head kick knockout. So, I, I but, you know, we've seen some of the best fighters in the world take on Volkanovski. Whether it be Yair Rodriguez, whether it be Max Holloway, uh, he fought Jose Aldo. Uh, we have seen some of the best being there with Volk. No one has ever done, you know. It, it, Makachev is just on another level, I think. Now, did the late notice status of this fight impact it a little bit? Yeah, I think so, and I still question the UFC and Alec Volkanovsky's decision in taking this fight. Now, obviously, Volkanovsky has come out and has stated that uh, in a very emotional kind of response that he needed to take this fight and he needed to, you know, be in camp and needed to, you know, have this chance at Islam again. But it goes just what I said last week. Even if not on Alex's sake for the sake of his mental health and well-being – but if you're the UFC, you know, and you got Gamrot waiting in the wings on a potential injury with Charles Oliveira, you know, a champ versus champ fight, that's something that's something you build to. You need a plenty you should have plenty of time to build to. The fact that it was a 12-day or so turnaround, I, I don't know if that was smart marketing by the by the promotion. And ultimately, you know, we'll talk about it with Shemayev and Us and Usman too. Ultimately, I think the late notice stuff, you know, yeah, it looked like a better card on paper, but it didn't play out that way. No, it certainly didn't. I think the biggest issue that I take from it is is, ju- is just that, you know, sometimes when you take these short notice fights, you don't know where they're going to go. And sometimes there are flashes in the pan and you get new champions, you know, like when Michael Bisping knocked out Luke Rockhold. Sean or- Strickland last month. Right, when Sean Strickland beat Adesanya, you know, where sometimes you get those flashes in the pan, but it's like, you know, when you got to go to Abu Dhabi, a place that, you know, there's a clear home field advantage for Makachev. He had just fought there almost a year to the day um, to beat Oliveira, literally in the same building. Like, that's not, that's not an easy thing to do. And I might have been, I might have been a little delusional when I picked Volk. I just thought, you know, the way Volk was hyping himself up and the way he was 
conducting himself with members of the media. I'm like, I don't see with his level of confidence how he can lose this fight. I was obviously really wrong about that. But I think the the, the big issue is is with these fights not playing out uh, that way is, you know, I think no matter who Islam was standing across from, whoever he was standing across from, what he showed on Saturday night showed, that no matter if it was Justin Gaethje, no matter if it was Gamrot, no matter if it was Fiziev, no matter if it was um, Dustin Poirier, the, the the other guy across from Islam wouldn't have, wouldn't have had a chance. And it's simply the fact that Islam is the, the best lightweight in the world right now. Some may say he's the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And uh, I just think when you have someone on a different level and you have someone that's been so dominant ever since his UFC debut pretty much, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I, I could not. Now looking back, I could not foresee a scenario where it could have gone any differently. And I just think it was the cards the UFC was dealt. They had to do what they had to do to save the co-main and main event. Quite frankly, the event itself. And um, the, you know, that's what happened. And you know, now they kind of have to sit back and say, okay, maybe we need to plan a little bit better. Just in the future, have a backup to the backup to the backup. Just in case anything like this happens again, because uh, if anyone was expecting a five-round war again, that's not what they, they got. And unfortunately, nope. we'll probably never see a trilogy again with how decisive uh, fight number two was. Yeah, absolutely not. I think I think as they were talking on the UFC broadcast, I think it was Felder uh, and Bissett, you know, maybe down the line after a few more fights, maybe. And then if somehow anyone is able to dethrone Islam, maybe Volk can get another shot at 155. But right now, and even he has admitted, you know, what's best for him at this point is to just stick to featherweight, stick to defending his 145-pound title. Uh, but yeah, I kind of agree. What this, what this performance showed was, and, and I'd said it to somebody earlier at my work that you know for you know we have seen makashev with his striking before and we know that it's pretty damn good but obviously we still associate him uh zam with the dagestani style of wrestling with his grappling game but i mean his striking was still always there but to the level of what happened, you know, yeah, it wasn't a five-round war, but a head kick knockout of another champion in the way that he did. This is and this performance, this main event was more about, as you kind of said, Islam Makashev putting his stamp on there. That uh, he is one of, if not the best, lightweights and pound-for-pound fighters in the world of mixed martial arts today. Now, where he goes from here, I kind of agree with Dana in the post-fight press conference. You know. Obviously, Gaethje won the BMF, and that fight is so tempting. Um, but Charles Oliveira, you know, it's not like, come on, it's not like he was out of the fight. He got a cut over his eyebrow, uh, you know, in less than two weeks' notice, and it was a really bad cut, and he wouldn't be cleared. And, you know, Charles Oliveira, we said that when he beat Benil Darius, he earned his shot. I think you got to give him the rematch still. Oh, for sure. Even with the slight weight miss, it's whether you want to call it a weight miss or, or a Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. gap, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but now yeah. here's no, I get. It. But now here's my question, Sam, because we like to play matchmaker a lot on the show. Wherever I should say UFC schedule maker 
on this show a lot. More and so, we, more so, more so me though. I like, yes. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, they're not going to be going to the Middle East again. They will because, and we'll talk about it. But it's going to be fight night events. So obviously, they're not going to go back to the region for a pay per view again until next October for the next Abu Dhabi card. Right. But and for the, and for the next four Abu Dhabi October cards too. So correct. But Zan, does this not considering if Oliver, you know, his time uh, recovery and the fact that Islam got such a quick finish, you know, does this open the door that kind of like what happened this past year where maybe that Super Bowl weekend card, if they're really saving Connor for it, and then we don't know what's going on with O'Malley or heaven forbid, heaven forbid something happens with full to period that they can't get it for the January card. Could you throw Islam versus Oliveira two on that January or February card? No, I think it's too early. I think you build that fight a slow build and you do it at UFC 300. That's what, that's what, that's what I think. I think so you'd have them. So you would have them co-main Connor and Chandler. Yeah, I would. Oh man. The fireworks that would be there with Islam and Connor in the same building. <laughs> oh, yeah. I so then easily, I could easily see the UFC doing that though. And, and, and then I guess, you know, with the Connor Chandler crap, falls out again, I guess then Islam Oliveira too is a suitable main event replacement. Right, right. And that is and that is under the assumption Connor versus Chandler does not take place. Yes. And then I guess based on our talks then, would you put then O'Malley for Super Bowl weekend to try and continue to build him? Oh yeah. Absolutely. All um, right, I I like the plan that we're going wanna, here. Hang on, you want to you want to talk about a banger beginning of the year? This is this is what I think. So they're going to do in January at two ninety seven. They'll do Vulcan Taporia. Okay, that was going to answer my next question. You think Volk still fights in January yes. against Taporia? So Volk, Volk is still going to fight at two ninety seven at two ninety eight Super Bowl weekend in the main event. It's O'Malley versus Cheeto Barra at two ninety nine. It's whatever the heck the UFC heavyweight title fight's going to be, and and it. And then the UFC 300, it's Conor versus Chandler and or Islam ver, um, versus Charles Oliveira too. I like that. And then uh, one, other, and then one other title fight because I think 300 is going to be three title fights. Oh yeah, there's, absolutely. There's going to be a third title fight, which probably means that the women's that the vacant women's bantamweight title fight is going to be on 300. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you. Um, here's my question though, considering what Volk has gone through, considering this first round, you know, knockout loss, I, I am for you that if he is healthy enough, he could defend against Tapura, uh, which, is, but, which, which is, which is what he wants to do. He's he did very clear that he wants to fight in January. He wants the quick turnaround, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And, and we, and we, and Ilya Tapura, we talked about on this show weeks ago, he told the television station that that seems to be the plan that the verbal agreement, even before the fill in for this, that he and Volk would go at it in January. But after this loss, Sam, and the comments that he made post fight, do you think that Dana and the UFC are on the phone with Max Holloway of, you know, if something falls through, can you fight Ilya in Toronto for an interim title? Oh, I, I think those talks have already started. That would be that would be my that would be my assumption. Yeah. I so yeah, I guess um and then and then of course oh my my point was gonna be that 
um, you would just put Max in as a backup fighter anyway, even if Volk gets cleared. You know, how still have him weigh in? Yeah, so I have a question kind of to counter that, though. What happens if Taporia gets hurt? Unfortunately, Zan, that might be one where one of two things are going to happen. Number one, okay. the UFC is going to have to get another title fight for January in case that one falls through. Or number what, two... Are you, are you saying one that's already going to be confirmed or one that they just kind of make as they go? That either, either or, that they make as they go, or you got to get a co-headline, another title fight to co-headline the January card. Or, okay. unfortunately... Uh, I we say unfortunately for the UFC sake, but you know my feelings with Max. You know, they might have to bite the bullet again. They might have to bite a bullet, or because or, or do they quickly turn around and they make um and they make the light heavyweight title fight as one of the other January cards, assuming that no one is uh, injured post two ninety five. You you, you can't. Oh, I was gonna say. You, first of all, I was gonna say you can't take that away from the Garden card, um, but quite possibly, quite possibly, the winner of Pereira versus Yuri to defend against probably Jamal Hill or Ankalaev. Is Jamal is Jamal Hill gonna be ready? Well, that's the thing, and we'll talk about the Ankalaev Walker fight. If you can rebook that Ankalaev uh, Walker fight, then maybe make that a contenders fight just in case. You know that. Whoever wins in the garden, if Volk isn't good or Tapuria aren't good to go for January, maybe put that one on there too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different possibilities. But do you agree with me when I say that 299 is going to be some sort of heavyweight title fight? I think so. I think it just depends upon what happens in a couple of weeks. Is Jones going to retire? Is Stipe going to retire? Are they both going to retire? Yeah, it's very interesting. Although, if you did watch the trailer, John Jones said his next chapter is going to be about who he really thinks he could be and what and what uh, stamp he could put on his career. So maybe that means if he wins, he doesn't retire. So we'll see. All right, let's talk about because we mentioned I can live a walk, but I want to talk about the co-main event first: Kamzat Shemaev, Kamara Usman. Again, another fight that, I, and I want to be clear: I actually thought that this was a fun fight. It just. I don't know if it was the fight that I was expecting. So no, to start things off. No, it, cer it certainly wasn't. I concur with you on that. Okay. Start things off. Did you score round one ten eight for Tamayev? No, I scored a ten nine. You scored a ten nine. Okay. And did you score round two for Kamaro? Yeah, I did. And you scored round three for Tamayev. You had a twenty nine twenty eight. Mm hmm. Okay. So, first of all, that leads me to go, first of all, what judge is in their right mind to give Kamara Usman round three? He definitely had his moments in there, but when Chamayev got the takedown, that was it in my book. Yeah, that's why I scored round three for Chamayev was because he had more top control time. That was, that seemed, that seemed easy enough. Yeah. And then the 10-8, I can honestly see either way. I guess it depends upon what your definition of a 10-8 is, even though everything is kind of everything is objective and subjective at the same time. But I guess I was on that note kind of surprised at the dominance that Chemayev have and that Chemayev had in that first round against Usman when it came to grappling. And I don't know if it was the fact that Usman 
you know, was that a, what is that a new weight class on such short notice or was taking on a short notice opponent in Chemayev who was pretty tough, but you know, Usman definitely got back into the game in the second round, but something about that first round just didn't look right. No, something about that first round didn't look, didn't look right either. And, um, I think it's one of those things where nerves just got to both of them. That's why that's where the first round didn't go is, you know, how the fans maybe would have hoped it would have. And um, that's, that's what's going to happen when you have two short notice main and co-main events. They're not going to go exactly as expected. And that's kind of what happened in round one of the co-main event. Yeah. So, I mean, did Shemayev at least impress you enough to earn a shot at Strickland? Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do that to Kamaru Usman for 15 minutes, the former welterweight champion of the world, the guy that everybody thought was going to literally retire um, on a winning streak. Y- yeah, you can't you can't deny him now. As much as if you're a DDP fan, you're, you're throwing stuff at the wall at the moment. Uh, I <laughs> you're probably you're, you're probably you're probably still upset, wondering what's up with DDP. Correct, correct. But you know what? In all fairness, Sam, if Usman had blasted Chimaev like, like, uh, if Usman had blasted Chimaev like he did Colby Covington in the fifth round of their first fight, we would have been saying that Usman needed to fight Strickland ASAP. Yeah, for sure. So this way, was for so for DDP fans, there was no way out. Which, by the way, speaking of five rounds, Dana White did say that if that fight was five rounds, he would have been very interested to see what would have happened in four and five. Okay, so, you know, we don't like bringing his name up on much in terms of ideas, but did you see Conor Sweeping over the weekend, right? He thinks that the UFC should mandate that title eliminators like Whitaker, DDP, like Chimaya Usman should be five rounds. I think it's a thousand percent great idea. Should it be I, and I, I, I'm, I'm for that, too. It should have been implemented two years ago, in my in my opinion. Uh, I'm I'm completely for that too. I think we need a couple of you know big stake fights like that, even if they're just a co-main of a pay-per-view to a title fight. I think you could still five round it. Yeah, I mean, even though it makes the pay-per-view four and a half hours long instead of three and a half hours, <laughs> long, um, I, I I don't know if that impacts ESPN in any way, but yeah, I think it's a smart idea. Uh, but Sam. But, but we can't forget we need all the we need all our trailers and all our plugs for the likes of Five Night at Freddy's and stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as a DDP fan, yeah, maybe kind of throwing some stuff at the wall. Uh, but what's interesting is Chimaya did apparently break his thumb during the fight, according to him. Yeah, so that could keep him out for a little bit. But Dane is hoping that he isn't injured too much to where they can make the fight as soon as possible, which. Leads me to believe that could be Super Bowl weekend too. You, you could have that fight, and you could have uh, have O'Malley and Cheeto Vera on the same card. But then again, though, you already know the UFC is kind of pre-planning because I think, and now I, I I don't know this to be certain, but I really think Dana wants Hobbs out in the United States. For, for I, yeah, yeah, I think so. For, for one of his next fights, so you either do him on two ninety eight or you do him on three hundred. But then again, what do you do? What do you what do you do a year from now if, if if he's not healthy? I I could not be the first one to tell you who their main event would be. Yeah, especially without Asanya out of the picture, who's supposedly saying that he's not going to be fighting for a while. Yeah, 
Which do you think? Do, do you think realistically though um, that he'll that when Adesanya does come back, he'll want a big stakes rematch. He'll want Pereira, or he'll want someone that he wants to get. Again, he'll want the Strickland fight. I can I can see it, but here's the other thing. I can also see he's saying he's not going to fight. But let's imagine a disaster scenario occurs, like what okay. happened with 294, or what happened last year at 279 in September with the whole Nate Diaz and Hamzad and Shamaya uh, Hamzad and Tony Ferguson kerfuffle. Right, yeah. and holding the Kevin Holland being switched up to fight Hamza. Yeah, right, yeah. right. My my point is, in a kerfuffle like that, if Dana was in a bind and he had no other choice, and he went to Israel and said, you know, here have this money, three times your pay, million, whatever. I think Adesanya would take the money to go back in there. Oh, one thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. Because just to get Dana out of that bind. Oh, I think I I think so too, and I don't even think it matters if he wins or loses. As long as as long as he gets paid, I think that's all he'll end up caring about. And this is no disrespect to Adesanya's legacy. He's had a wonderful career, but you can tell because of how active he's been, he wants to slow it down, which makes a ton of sense. I mean, he averages what two to three fights a year for the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. That he probably needs a little bit of a break. Oh, he does. Uh, but I said it, Cormier said it. He's four and three in his last seven. He needs to uh, slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Zen, uh, for our next uh, fight here, I'm going to take a quote from Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is it Anyway? One of his okay. hoedowns. I am a doctor. Yes, I'm really bad. Boy, that makes my patients really, really mad because I, I, I mean, Zen. What was that doctor? What, what was he? Where did uh, they find this guy? Did they I, find this guy on some street in Abu Dhabi? I I don't know, but I've watched the UFC for a long time. You you know this. I know this. That's the most inexperienced referee slash doctor mistake I've ever seen in a fight. But what? Are you sure compared to what happened on the prelims when somebody got when one of the fighters got hit with oh I think it was Henry who got hit with the low blow and basically the doctor said you know he didn't kick your balls and basically grow up and Henry's response was it was all D word and balls <laughs> only in the UFC can we have that kind of conversation and it's just normal. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, yes, that is correct. Um, but and I will, I, I, I will say this is more, this is a worse mistake considering the stakes of this fight compared to the one on the undercard. And no, um, and, and, and no disrespect to Victor Henry and his opponent, but this one was a little bit more, this one was oh, a little bit more mistakes. For sure. For sure. Now, if, and then we can't like we got some of the footage here, but here's what I'm gonna say. If what the commentators, John Anik and crew were talking about is true, where Johnny Walker at one point in that conversation asked what round it is, he's given as much as we like to make fun of the doctor, he Walker would have given him an out then. Like you you can't ask that. You can't ask that in the middle of a fight what round it is. 
no, you can't. Now, I don't um I don't mean to turn this around a little bit, but uh mm. how how ironic is it that Johnny Walker is involved in a fight like this and his video of him being knocked out five times on the regional scene resurfaces the day before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately for poor Walker. Now, I'll turn this around again. If it was a matter of, you know, Walker said in the desert and that wasn't good enough for the doctor, then as much as Dana and people left, then Dana would be right that there was some sort of language barrier. Because according to, I forget one of the commentators said it, it may have been Felder, that the answer, if he had answered Abu Dhabi, he would have been technically wrong. That in what country are you in? Cormier and Felder said it. They both said that you have to say the isn't it like the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. So I I don't know. As a doctor, I like you kind of going off, Zan. But you gotta. I don't know where they got this doctor, but he was not the most experienced, and it kind of no. it, no. it showed. And honestly, it damaged the card. Yeah, it did. It damaged the card. It damaged that fight that was just getting going. And it damaged. How about how about the reports of two or three staff infection fighters? Yeah, that's that's weird. And if that's true, I don't know how they gets approved by any commission in the world, uh, let alone. I don't. How are they hiding that? I, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Oh, do you do you think it's weird the UFC barely said anything about it too? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So there's there's that, and a lot like I said before, you know, I hope this fight gets rebooked. And I agree with what you mentioned in the text message by the way on Saturday. You could tell that Ankalaev and Dana just don't have a like for one another. Yeah, how how is it that I'm the only one that noticed that Dana didn't even acknowledge Ankalaev once when he was when he was in the cage? I, I think I think there's still better tensions over December. Oh, I think, I, I, I think so too. And and I will and I said it on uh, to you in the text message. I'll say it here. The minute, whether it be by sunset or whether it be by fights running out, the minute Ankalaev's contract runs out, he's jumping ship the PFL. You you think he will? I think he will. Do you do you think he will? And if he does, do you think he can win the light heavyweight tournament? I it's just also a matter of I think Dana is going to keep him as far away from that title belt as possible. I think so too. And even even if he had won last year, I still think there would have been tension. Just because, yeah, it, almost like a Woodley kind of like tension with how that fight with uh with the fight with um with Jan Blahowicz played out. Yeah, it's interesting how no one pushed Dana about his uh his his disdain or I don't know what you want to call it. It's his lack of uh, attention towards Ankalaev is very interesting. Um, but sure. yeah, yeah, definitely a bizarre fight in a fight where it uh, goes to show the last year of the light heavyweight division has been cursed. So, Yeah, cursed in a really bad way. Uh, just to wrap up, by the way, we're going to talk about 294. A couple of first-round finishes to that started off the card. Ikram Alaskarov finishing the veteran Warley Alves, and Dana says that Akram's next opponent has to be a ranked fighter. Oh yeah, he's not wrong about that. And uh you do and this is no disrespect to Alves. He's been around the game a long time, but 
this is what you do in a fight where you're expecting to win. You go out and you dominate. That's exactly what Alice Garoff did. And uh, without a doubt, if, if you were to bet on one fight on the whole card as a for sure winner, this was probably the fight. Yeah, definitely. And then earlier, to open up the pay-per-view main card, said Nurmagomedov, Saeed Nurmagomedov, sev- like less than 75 seconds. It was probably like 72 or 73. He gets a quick submission win over Muin Gafurov. Yeah, this was very impressive. And just w- w- what's crazy is the Nurmagomedov name, I saw a statistic out there, the, the Nurmagomedov name with that last name is 63-0. and Combined as a as a, as a name, which is pretty remarkable when you when you when you think about it. So, but then, but but then I also remember in 2019, Khabib's cousin ended up losing, but his last name may not have been Nurmagomedov. Yeah, I, th- I think it was under a different name. Yeah, you, you know the one I'm talking about, November 9th in Moscow in 2019. Yeah, I do know who you're talking about. Yeah. And MMA, by, the way, by the way, MMA on point posted the graphic, which is why I'm even uh referencing it. It might have just been um it might have just been like um uh either the Nurmagomedov last name or the combination of Makachev, Nurmagomedov, and the other Nurmagomedov. Oh no, it definitely it definitely is the latter because this person's last name is Nurmagomedov. It was um Abubakar. Abubakar got submitted by David Zawada in uh Moscow. Oh, that's right. And isn't David Sawada not even in the UFC anymore? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought. It was like one of the biggest upsets of the year. I'm watching oh, yeah. that like I'm watching that in like Atlantic City. I'm like, what in God's name just happened? Under <laughs> Maga Madoff got submitted. That's 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 pretty crazy. But yeah, he, he looked very impressive. And then Tom, uh our our picks, at least my picks were Pretty good, I think. According to Tapology, I got nine out of thirteen. How did you? How did you do? I probably was around the same mark. I definitely had to have been around the same mark. Um, easy. I started off on a real hot streak, like real hot. Like I was yeah. really impressed. Yeah. Um, as I'm looking, by the way. So okay, let's see. So Magomedov, Dudakova, Wood. I had Chubley. Which I, I'm kicking myself for not picking Breeden. Uh, Who I Mas- had, by the way, in case, in case you forgot. I had, I had Breeden. Yeah, I know you did. Uh, four, five. Yeah, honestly, I finished with nine or ten. Um, yeah, I finished with nine or ten wins as well. So that was a, it was a pretty decent in terms of our pick results. Yeah, but it then it's. In terms of a grade for this, so I ran our poll and bit of a mixed bag, honestly. Some loved it, some hated it. That's my way. This was just a really bizarre kind of card. I give it a B minus, but the promotion with eleven days to go to this card is like nothing I've ever seen. Like yeah, I I don't know I don't know about you, but it felt like UFC two ninety four was all over a social media with ten days to go. That's all anybody. That's all anybody was talking. about. But I think that also does some damage to the card, right? You go B minus or C plus or C because this card, Zan, even with 12 days ago, we get the short notice, but this did not live up to the hype. No, it didn't. It did not. Hopefully UFC 295 in a couple of weeks will 
although and hopefully the end of the year does as well. But yeah, yeah. Where we got two definitely very interesting scenes in Abu Dhabi. And by the way, that crowd looked completely sold out to the rafters, which was very very cool to see. It seems that the people who went to that event had an absolute blast. Yeah. Two paper UFC pay-per-views to go in 2023 in Zan. I think you and I will agree or agreement so far that so far nothing has topped the July combo of 290-291. No, not even not even close. But with how good 295 and 296 are, I think it has a chance. For to, sure. To, to at least compete with it. For so. sure. Uh the, speaking of, you talked about the great crowd they had in in Abu Dhabi. So the UFC, as part of an agreement, is expanding its agreement within the Middle East. And the next UFC card out in the Middle East, and for the first time, we're going to have a fight night card in Saudi Arabia to take place in Riyadh in March of 2024. Yeah, and guess what time? It's going to be at the same venue as Ngannou versus Fury in front of 40,000 people. So... Zan, I talked about this uh, in terms of the big four sports when it came to on ETB Sports, and I dipped combat sports into there too, but the Middle East is just, uh, especially places like Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi, they're going to be hubs in terms of combat sports, let alone sports in general for, I mean, sports, let alone combat sports in general for the foreseeable future. Yeah, this is the international version of Las Vegas. It, it's starting to seem that way. Mm-hmm. So... That's that. Uh, yeah, I think the UFC 294 could have been better. I so far want to say, I forget all our different rankings, but I would put it smack in the middle with how weird the card was, or maybe even like down towards the bottom with, you know, considering the fact that, you know, we started off the U- the UFC calendar years and in terms of pay-per-views with some bangers. Then May, June came, we had a couple of slow ones, and then July... As you said, 292, 91, two of the greatest pay-per-views that the UFC has ever produced. So yeah, I would say I would say going into UFC 295, UFC 292 is my number one card of 2023. Uh 292 was, yeah, kind of as well. The UFC had just a banger summer. <laughs> yeah, it was a really it was a really good summer with a lot of solid fights and a lot of um a lot of different territories that you wouldn't expect them to hit in a regular year, let alone a year post-COVID. So it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, next summer. It feels like the, I, I know this is kind of a bad reference, but it makes sense. It's almost like the UFC's version of March Madness, or their postseason, if you will, is every single summer. It just feels like the the summers have somewhat of a playoff feel to it. And in November and December is when you get into the MMA version of the Super Bowl a, a, a little bit. Um, too. So it, it's definitely an interesting time for the promotion and it's clear that they love stacking their cards and it's clear mm-hmm. they've, they've gone to this uh, to this title fight only model um, over the last six years that uh, that it definitely helps drive all the different intricacies of promotion and all, all that. So you have to give kudos to the UFC on that front there as well. And of course, as, as we both alluded to, 295 and 296, assuming these stay together, should be excellent. And, and not to mention the fact that the day after this airs, or actually, no, the, the day that this is going to air, the UFC uh, is going to have uh, various announcements, so it'll be interesting to see if Connor versus Chandler or any of those other fights 
we were alluding to is going to be a part of that special announcement that Dana White teased uh, Saturday after the event. Yeah, obviously, obviously we're recording this uh, prior to any sort of announcement coming out from Dana, but we're in our usual spot. So, and this week's already hectic enough for me. So we'll we'll discuss Dana's announcement whenever it gets released uh on next week's episode who knows if he even makes an announcement he meant to talk to, to tell the media something on saturday he's like oh i just completely forgot <laughs> yeah and, and i'll be honest i didn't know what he was referring to because i did not watch the scrum from the night before so yeah all right sam we got about 15 20 minutes let's get to our news pretty quickly before we preview fury and ganu little update to showtime as i referenced during the intro it is not just the end of showtime boxing it is not just the end of bellator mma on showtime it is the end of showtime sports itself the showtime sports brand which housed boxing for years bellator mma the last couple of years housed uh inside the nfl documentaries all the different, you know, fight hype stuff leading up to some major boxing events. So all no access, more. Which was all access. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. Gone. No more. Everything is done. Yeah, it certainly is a very era-changing time in combat sports with Showtime leaving the picture. That kind of ends the HBO Showtime era of the sport of boxing where everything just felt bigger on premium television. And, um, you know, it just kind of feels weird that Bellator 301, um, which is taking place in my hometown, is going to be the last Bellator event to air on the network. So that'll be a very somber night. I'm already kind of mentally preparing myself that there, there, there might be some there might be some tears in the various uh, media spaces that week and the, and the night of the event. But nonetheless, um, as we kind of alluded to earlier and off the air, uh, Showtime for me personally was a was a huge um, was a huge aspect of my combat sports fandom. Um, I'm a late boxing fan, and most of the major boxing matches that I've seen have taken place on that network. As well as me getting more interested in what Bellator has been producing, um, Showtime was a major reason for it. And honestly, those were some of the main reasons I would even watch Showtime was for their combat sports coverage. So it'll feel weird to see that it's no longer going to exist. But I will say it's given fans, media members, what have you, spectacles and events that they'll never forget because they saw it on the network. Um, I guess I'm going to ask you, Tom, you've been Mm -hmm. around longer than I have uh, on on this planet per se. What would you say was your first uh, memory Watching Showtime, or or what's one of the first things you remember about Showtime? I mean, I had when I was little because I was kind of like you, where you know I knew of boxing, but I wasn't a fan fan until you know after I'd gone into the UFC and such. Um, so I had always known Showtime to be like HBO, combined them with the Cinemax and the Stars, the big premium movie channels. But San, I did know that Showtime was a boxing channel too because you know the first things i think of are going back to when i was little you know like some mike tyson and some of these other boxing greats when their fights like tyson holyfield airing on showtime and hearing um and hearing the legendary call which i want to do here it's showtime like 
it was just Showtime and boxing just gelled together so much ever since Showtime came on the boxing scene to be a true competitor to HBO. And Zan, it feels very weird. You know, five years ago, we were discussing how pivotal it was and how game-changing it was that HBO was no longer going to be in the boxing business. And now here we are at neither HBO or Showtime. You know, the legendary premium channels there you would watch boxing, late 80s, 90s, 2000. Neither of them are around. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I guess that leads me to my next question. Could you see boxing going in a direction where it's to zone ESPN Plus and broadcast television? Or is I, it think, I, think, I think we're there. I think we're there already, Sam. You know, the only one – well, I wouldn't say we are there completely because, you know, top rank still airs cards on on linear ESPN. But who's not to say – and, Sam, we talked about this, you know, on our show. I talked about this with Nick Morgison on Empty Bench Sports. sports. Uh, sorry, having a little echo in my uh, in my headphones for a second. Um, but what happens if ESPN decides, you know, hey, screw the television, that the ESPN Plus, the streaming service that we know, becomes what ESPN is? Because I think that's a realistic thing that could happen, and that's scary. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see it. You're now already seeing it with college football. You're seeing it with the NFL where, you know, they're saying, oh, there's multiple different ways to watch NFL games. That would be NFL Plus and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, that, that is where it's going. It is catering towards, you know, my generation, so to speak. I mean, at least with, with my generation, me being a few years younger than you, we've literally grown up on streaming, so – um, yeah, I could easily see a direction to where it just only goes that way, which also leads me to say this, and I think I'm shouting it from the rooftops, but there needs to be something in the next five or six years where there is a bundle package to where when you purchase ESPN Plus, you get everything that ESPN Plus is being offered to you. I, th- I think it needs to go in that direction. It needs to be a la carte. Because if it doesn't become a la carte and it be, and it still is the double paywall, I think you're going to turn a lot of people away. And you're only going to see people that would have bought every single fight only buy maybe one to two fights a year and maybe maybe even none. So um, just because of how hard it is to be a combat sportsman at this point, which costs around the average consumer if you were to buy everything about $1,400. But I fear, Zan, you know, and I'm with you. I have championed on this network that Vince McMahon vision with the WWE Network now, you know, headed by Endeavor, that they got it right with their, you know, what happens right now with Peacock, how you get all the premium live events for, you know, the, just the purchase of your subscription. And But I'm worried considering what the Zone has done, what ESPN Plus has been doing with boxing, with the UFC, you know, it is pay-per-view because remember, like you said last week, the zone was supposed to be the replacement for pay-per-view. And now it's just another paywall to the paywall. And I fear that's just the direction that we're gonna go in, which again, I've talked about reinventing the wheel on this on this show. Mm-hmm. And uh as much as we keep talking about it, I don't think anything's gonna change until more and more people uh keep voicing their concerns. I think the only way it's gonna change is if one night a pay-per-view goes out for every single person in the world. 
no, no, no matter how you're watching it, the entire feed goes out, and and that's when they're going to have to say, okay, we really need to sip. I can make a change because we don't want to have this happen again. All right, let's talk about a couple other things before we move on. Steven Espinoza, speed let go. Where do you see? Uh, what do you see happens from next? Do you see Tina White offering him a job? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. You could set that at plus eight thousand odds right now. I don't think Dana White and 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 uh, and, the, and the Weasel will ever be friends. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even get to the first word without laughing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you can't even talk about it without laughing either. But I will say. I could see him joining either Golden Boy or uh, or a match room with Eddie Hearn, and I totally see that. Yeah, doing business together with Eddie Hearn, which actually, which actually, that would be a good power play to Bob Arum's top rank, and I think you might see a new rivalry brewing between the tag team Vespinoza and Hearn and Arum, and I think you could see a lot of interesting and really bad. In frankly, negotiations for the next year to two years that you and I could just laugh our asses about every single week. <laughs> Probably. My only advice to her then would be get off a platform like the zone and tune it to and put on something that Americans will actually watch. Yeah, or maybe even make his own streaming platform. The matchroom boxing platform. That's up to that. Yeah, I, I would I would I would too. All right, and then future of Bellator and talks about all this because you mentioned Bellator 301, last uh, MMA event on the channel, and quite frankly, as of right now, again, the last Bellator potentially. Uh, seems like it's starting in 2024. We still have no idea. We don't know if Zelino's report is right. We don't know if Todd Atkins is right. At this point, Sam, it's kind of like what we said before. At this point, it's just until one of them, one of the parties officially says something, no clue, right? And who, who, and, and who knows? Maybe it doesn't come out until I ask Scott Coker at the pre-fight press conference what the heck is going on with the whole thing. Um, Imagine if you do, and he gives a response. That would be awesome. That would be uh, that would mean that everyone would have to give me the credit for breaking potentially news if he doesn't. Credit the MMA outsiders, damn it! Yeah, that would be that would be that would be one of the wildest MMA media stories in the history of MMA Twitter, if we were the ones to get the official credit for that over everybody else. But and the, nonetheless, definitely very weird times in the Showtime slash Bellator realm. A lot of uncertainty on both sides. And quite frankly, it's taking away from what a stacked Bellator 301 event. It should end up being to remind everyone I will be there on site covering it for BJPen.com, which I'm very much looking forward to. All right. In other news, Sam, Bellator has cut Dylan Dennis. <laughs> yeah, this is not surprising. And I remember Scott Coker saying, quote, um, when, when it came to Dennis potentially making a return to Bellator, uh, this was like a year ago, he goes, he's going to want to have to do it. And sure enough, what he did was make a clown out of himself in England. And of course, Bellator had no choice. Uh, but, but to release him, this is the right decision. I don't think you'll ever see Dylan Dennis and MMA again. Now he's talking about, oh, I want to get signed to the UFC. He does not deserve to be signed. Dana, anywhere. don't you dare. Dana, don't you. I I, th I think it's more likely we see him in bare knuckle than UFC. Oh, I think uh, I think Dave Feldman would be all over the freak show aspect and uh, 
I think he those are fights. Would. He absolutely I, would. I, 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 I think those are fights people people would actually pay to see who because people because people want to see him lose. So actually I think it would be a great business investment for BKFC. And I, I don't know if you saw, but before we came on the air, BKFC is now in South Africa. So they're so they're clearly making moves to expand. So th- this would be another one of their puzzle pieces, if you if you will. Sure. Uh, speaking of Dennis, speaking of the Paul brothers. So last week, Sam, we had a report from Happy Punch talking about 1.3 million pay-per-view buys for Paul versus Dennis. Well, Dave Meltzer from, you know, formerly of MMA Fighting, longtime uh, head of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, is now officially putting out a dispute. And wow, this... Is a discrepancy. This is a dispute. So Meltzer, according to him, uh, he says that the pay-per-view, he has 10,000 television buys. He notes that basically the ratio of TV to streaming buys is like one to three. So for every one television buy, it would be three buys on a streaming platform. So that would be like an ESPN Plus or a Zone. So basically... He's saying that it didn't even come close to a hundred thousand buys, let alone a million. Yeah, and, and and knowing what we knowing how we felt about this fight, this is not a surprise. I mean, do you? I mean, I mean, did did you really think one point three million people paid for that? No, no, absolutely not. So I and that, and considering Happy Punch and Dave Meltzer, you know, I know Meltzer and the wrestling side of things has gotten a little questionable reputation. I'm going to side with Meltzer on this one. The experienced guy. Yeah, Meltzer's been a veteran of the game and pay per view buys for years and years and years. So and here's my question, then, Zan. Here's my yeah. question: Is this a matter of Dylan Danis being annoying, or is it a matter of you know we talked about with Jake Paul? We'll talk about Jake Paul again are some of these numbers, the lower numbers, because people are, you know, becoming immune. And I don't know if that's the word or numb to the fact that the Paul brothers are fine. Like it's not a spectacle as much anymore. I think it's a mix of both, but I would say if you were to ask me if it's one or the other, I think it's just people being immune and there's other sports to watch. I mean, think about it. They they put that fight on in the middle of the day in the United States when there's dozens of major college football games on that's going to take president over a fight that that doesn't even matter in the long run and uh when you have todd grisham um uh, <laughs> who's, who's one of the best commentators in the business no disrespect to him at all but when you have todd grisham hyping up every single fight from the tag team fights to the main event um literally doing his own self-promotion of the fight which of course he was probably told to do by his own executives you know it's probably not a good sign. Zen, you know what it is? It's a circus. Broncos country. Oh, I'm sorry. Dennis country. Let's ride. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. You could slap something uh, before a country, and I think people would be entertained. And it could be. <laughs> It could be, and it could be anything. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous. Uh, breaking the fourth wall. I'm very nervous about the Broncos country. Let's ride for this week. I may have, uh, I, I may have uh, gone. 
I don't know if overboard is the word, but I definitely, I definitely have made it known uh, how Packers fans might feel after losing to Denver. But that's neither here or there. That's for Football Friday this week. Of course, and uh, not to not to drag that part on too much longer. But look who accurately predicted that Denver would cover the spread. I did. <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, one other story before we get to our big preview. Speaking of Jake Paul, so there's no update about December 15th, but in a very interesting tweet, most valuable promotions, Jake Paul's promoter put out a tweet saying that Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, they will rematch, but it will not be in boxing again. Insinuating that Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz has been is in progress to being signed for a fight in the professional fighters league cage in the smart cage rather. Yeah, I would definitely be excited for this. Just tell me the, tell me the date and venue and I'm there. Uh, that that's something, that's something I definitely want to see as, as dumb as a fight. Maybe. I mean, they've been talking about doing MMA crossover forever. I think it would generate buzz like you've never seen before. If I was, if that was an MMA, that was an MMA fight, that'll be on every sports show in America. If, and if, if that fight ends up taking place, in my in my in my opinion, yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna want to watch this. You know, as much as you know, as much as it's a Paul brother, as much as you know, I feel it. This is a, this is one of those fights where I'd say, you know, we've seen so many crossover boxing fights, a crossover MMA fight. I'm like, okay, my curiosity is a little peaked right now. Plus, Nick Diaz at a promotion that's not the UFC. Yeah, very intriguing. In number one and number two, it'll be interesting to see if the UFC tries to stop it in any sort of way. That's exactly what I'm wondering. Do, could you see that happening? Uh, but the UFC putting like some injunction or something? Absolutely. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I could For see. Sure. Them, I could see them going to ESPN executives and saying, "Yeah, you cannot air this, no matter what you try to do." The problem is PFL is under the ESPN umbrella as well. Right. But so you would probably assume though that the UFC is more power than the PFL when it comes to ESPN's priorities though, right? Uh for sure, for sure, but obviously you know ESPN officials are going to want to put this up. Right. So might be up the creek without a paddle there, Dana. Uh, you never you never know. All right, speaking of the PFL, Francis Ngannou, let's talk about his fight this weekend. Fake is facing in a non-title, I assume, exhibition, the WBC and lineal heavyweight champion of the world in Tyson Fury. So, Zan, are we still saying that Francis Ngannou fumbled the bag? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's being paid the most money he'll ever be paid for a single fight, and it may not even a seven minutes. And truly, as much as I hate to eat my words and 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 and, and go back to or go against what I said in January, I was wrong about everything. I said in anywhere he made the right financial decision to take this fight, and now we're and now we're finally here. Now the thing that bums me out though about this is they could have gone all out. They could have done a world tour. They could have been a press conference in five different cities. They didn't. They, they didn't really do any of that. Do you think this fight's not getting the hype it should? I think it should get a little more hype. I understand it's exhibition, but I think it should get a little more hype. But then. Considering the fact that in over 200 of those countries, you know, not the U.S., not the U.K., not Canada, but in over 200 countries. Not Ireland either. Not Ireland, but the rest of the world. The 
platform that this fight is on is, of course, the zone. Surprise, surprise. Of course, it's not going to get the promotion. And of course, in all those other countries, it's on the zone for free. <laughs> well, you know what? I know we have to pay for it, but at least it's ESPN Plus. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. But I'd rather give my money to ESPN than I would disown. It's it's really unbelievable when you think about it. Um, and and as much as you and I both want to see disown go away, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I don't, well, it's basically basically you know more of an international brand at this point, right? And they're airing all the NFL games in every country except for the United States. So right, that's like the United States is the only place that it's just. Hey, you know, we're trying everything and we can't get a decent audience. Right, exactly. Alright, well let's so, talk about this fight. But oh, I was I was just gonna I was just gonna say in, in your in your lifetime, have you ever seen a boxing spectacle um in the in, in the heavyweight division like we might see on Saturday, or is this a first for you in terms of this crazy crossover? And obviously it's not a obvious Obviously, it's not a first first because obviously, about wow, six years ago already, we had Floyd versus Connor, but you're talking about heavyweight. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this really is would be a first to me. I, I mean, I know 13 years ago we had James Tony go over to the UFC to face Randy Couture, but that was that was James Tony, let's face it, being dumb or, or trying to get an easy payday or something because right. he, right. Randy and Couture just simply had his way with him. Right, and that was James Tony way past his prime by at least six years. So, yeah. So that, so yeah, this is this is interesting because obviously we haven't seen Francis Ngannou in any sort of combat sports fight since he defended the UFC heavyweight title against Cyril Gan in January of 2022. But as you kind of said. He, he he made his mark. He went out, left the UFC to try and make a mark, make a statement. And, well, he's definitely making a statement here, taking on Tyson Fury. He's getting a payday. He's getting some decent attention. The PFL, saying the PFL is treating him like a god with his contract. Oh, like he, yeah. oh, he yeah. went out and he definitely is doing something. Now, does that mean I think he has a shot? I have to be careful here. That is my PFL brethren, but it's going to be tough. Tyson Fury is the unbeaten heavyweight champion of the world, has held all four alphabet championships at one point or another. He's undefeated. You know, obviously he has the one draw with Deontay Wilder, yes, but, you know, not, nobody, other than that fight with Wilder, the first one, nobody has tested him in a way that, you know, we have been shot. Uh, Francis, I mean, it's kind of curious because, again, this is boxing. This is not MMA. I mean, we saw with the floyd Connor fight, Sam, that Connor tied out a little easier, but it's not of, you know, his own doing. It's that, you know, with boxing, it's more rounds for shorter frames. It's more start, stop, start, stop. With MMA... It's up to five five minute rounds, so you go for a little while, short break, go a while, short break. It, it's different pacing. Yeah, it's different pacing for sure, and it's one of those things where you know you don't know is Tyson Fury underestimating Francis Ngannou because he has this Alexander Usyk fight waiting in the wings, 
Is Francis Ngannou going in there and thinking, oh, I'm just going to put on a good performance and, you know, hype up the crowd and make the crowd happy? I think this is going to be one of those fights where Tyson Fury gets hit. I'm not going to say he's going to get knocked down, but I'm going to go out on the women's aid. I actually think this fight goes the full full distance. And I think Francis will last the entire fight uh, with Fury and gives him one of the biggest challenges that Fury's ever had. I mean, if you... Look at the way Francis Ngannou has been speaking to the media and the way he's been hyping himself up. He's taking this exhibition very, very seriously. And I, I would I, I would not I'd put it past him to do something impressive. It's definitely not going to be a boring fight. It's going to be one of the most exciting exhibitions that people have ever seen, whether you whether you like it or not. For sure. So 10 rounds, 10 three-minute rounds is what this is scheduled for. So basically a non-title fight, even though Fury is a champion. Uh, Zan, I completely agree with you. I think Ngannou will hit Fury. Do I think he'll knock him down? No, but I think oh. this will be fun. I think both will unleash power on one another. But I think, yo, know, both guys are so tough that I agree with you. I think this one goes the full distance. Now, I'll give the win to Fury by decision, and I think he'll go in that same direction as well. Yep. Now, right. what, now yeah. what are we going to say if um, I was some way Francis Ngannou – it's the unthinkable. I, I, I was going to throw the grenade like I've been doing, but what if Francis Ngannou pulls this off? Um, here's what I think. Not only what if Francis pulls this off, what if he literally puts him to sleep with one with one punch? If I'm Alexander Usyk, then I'm turning to the IBF because we talked that story a little while ago, and I'm saying who your whoever your mandatory challenger is, let's go. I, I hate to say it, but if Ngannou knocks out Fury the undisputed heavyweight title fight's dead. I mean, because, At least for now. At least for now. I mean, wait a second. Because it's an exhibition, <laughs> they, they, can still, they can still knock each other out, right? I think so. Yeah, that's pretty wild to think about. It's not going to count any either guy's record, yet they're treating it like a legitimate sparring match, essentially. I, I don't think... Let me double-check if Fury and Ghanu is an exhibition, but the fact that it said three... 10-minute rounds. Oh, the bout is not an exhibition. They okay. will count this on a record. Okay, so this is a, this is a real fight. Okay. <laughs> so, Sam, I'll, I'll give you one better. I'll give you one better then. Do you think if somehow Francis puts Fury to sleep and Usyk turns around and faces the IBF mandatory, whose name slips my mind right now, could they pull Fury and Ganu too and put the WBC title on the line? Whatever top rank can do to make money, they will do. So I would say yes. I, I can. I, I and, can, and I know that's not it. fair. And I know that's not fair to the other fighters. But Zan, as we say on this show, boxing gets in his own way. And then watch how watch how they'll make the rematch. They'll hype it up, and then the rematch gets canceled for some reason, and then they move it to. Not the middle of next year, but December of 2024, because of course they do, and and we have to wait till 2025 for a potential third fight. I I, I see I, I see the potential direction that this 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 could go. Yeah, yeah, of course we do. Of course we do. Nothing surprises us anymore. Zan, sometimes these things happen in boxing, and. Oh, oh God, I have it on a loop. <laughs> I have it on a loop. <laughs> so 
only it's only fitting though, is it? Is it not? <laughs> it's only fitting. It's only it is only fitting that it's only fitting we have a loop to end this show. I think we're done here, Zan. So thank you all out there for listening to another edition of the MMA Outsiders. Make sure to like button, subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Hit the notification bell. We're over 585 subscribers right now. We're closing in on 600. Please help us get there. Follow us across social media, Facebook X, Instagram, at MMA Outsiders ETV. Follow the Empty Bench Podcast Network, Facebook X, Instagram, and TikTok at ETV Network. Again, to my right is Zan Vando, my beloved co-host, Staff writer beat BJPen.com, MMA Knockout, uh, Bellator Rankings Committee member for God knows how much longer. Uh, and then you, and you can find his work, follow him on social media at ZamVando99, on Talvano, contributor at Fansided MMA. Uh, helping the PFL out, at least for the 2023 season, with their website uh, for all the live events and such. So we got the two title, two championship cards coming up. Can't wait for that. Follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Uh, make, make sure to take and uh, at the Empty the Bench Network and the MMA Outsiders on the road with you, so you don't have to see our ugly mugs. Uh, so find us on Acast and all audio only platforms. If you are listening on those audio only platforms, go over to our YouTube home, YouTube.com/slash/etbnetwork. Give us our like and our subscribe there. Uh, Zan, I don't know what else you have to say, but all I have to say is be Joe Piper and enjoy the spectacle that is Fury and Ganu this weekend. Yeah, enjoy the spectacle that is Furying Ngannou this week, which leads me to my next question, Tom. Will you be recapping Fury versus Ngannou in any way? The PFL has not asked me to yet. If they were to ask me, I probably wouldn't turn it down. W- will you be Will you be recapping it for fansided? I don't know. Okay. Hey, well, if you well, 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 if you do, I definitely know knowing knowing your. Style, you will have a very strong opinion on whatever comes out of that fight. I will probably do some sort of reactionary piece to it as well, either for Nakut or BJ Penn. So stay tuned for all of that and more. Again, Mike Thompson, BJ Piper, enjoy the uh, UFC list weekend. If you want to talk about if you want to put it that way, there's there's no UFC event this weekend. If you guys can already tell us, oh, next weekend when we come back for episode 59, we will recap everything that was. Fury versus Ngannou, and of course, we will preview UFC Sao Paulo, which actually it ended up being one of the best fight night cards of the year, so we are looking forward to all of that and more. That has been the MMA Outsiders. This has been a production of the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, and we will see everyone right back here, same time, same place, next week, where it will be November. Take care, everyone. Take care. Actually, no, Zan. It's not November. Our next show is on Halloween. Oh, Oh, I meant I meant the day that it'll the day that it'll air though, right? No, Maybe. our next show it airs. This is the twenty fourth. Next week's the thirty first. We're gonna oh. have a show on All Hallows Eve. Oh wow! We have stay tuned for a spooky, spooky special edition of the MMA Outsiders next week. We will see. We we will we, we will see you there, and then it'll be officially November after that. Correct. See you, everyone. Ooh. See ya.